0: Welcome to the latest episode of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This time around, we are looking at Season 1, Episode 3, A Millennium. The episode title is Dead Letters. Now, it appears that this show has leads that travel as X-Files did, which I wasn't totally tuned into in the first two episodes, since it is a bit of a new series for me. But the action here primarily takes place in Portland, Oregon. The Portland PD call in the Millennium Group to advise in a couple of killings with a serial killer who is dismembering the corpses. And while the Millennium Group members are not completely sure that this warrants their attention, Frank Black is sure he knows there's a message that they haven't found and that this killer is going to kill again soon. It does turn out he's right when he convinces the Millennium Group to let him go. They ask him to work with A a local detective named James Horn, who is being considered for further involvement with the Millennium Group. And what we find is that James Horn is something like Frank Black gone off the rails. So he is also struggling with the things that he has to see to do the job. In his case, it has stretched his marriage to the point that they are officially separated. His two year old son accidentally sees some of the content and some of the images from the crime scene, which naturally upsets everyone involved. And Jim crosses the lines when they finally track down this killer with a severe beating, to the point that he was even beating an innocent suspect along the way. So he ends up not being a part of the Millennium Group, but he does end asking Frank How can you do this? And why do you do this? And the why question seems to be more of a stumper for Frank. So it does seem to be setting the stage for some future work here. So it is a well-made episode, nicely paced. Frank's abilities, again, give enough information to keep the mystery going, but not enough to solve the case. And James Morrison does a nice turn as Jim Horn. So as far as the production crew go, this is the first of 26 episodes of Millennium to be directed by Thomas J. Wright. We've discussed his work a bit before, since he also directed three episodes of the X-Files beginning with Millennium. So when this series gets a wrap-up in the X-Files series, he was brought in to direct that episode, which makes sense. With a 26 episode count, I am assuming he is the most prolific director in the series. He directed Millennium, Goldberg Variation, and The Amazing Melini on The X-Files, and was discussed in more detail then. This is also the first episode of Millennium, written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong. So that is a writing pair who was fairly prolific in the first couple seasons of The X-Files. They left to do Space Above and Beyond, which we will be referring to again in a moment. They created that series. It lasted only one season, sadly. And when they came back to 1013, they came back with Millennium and would actually take over as the showrunners for Season 2. This is their first of 15 co-writing credits in Millennium. Now, as I said before, I don't want to delve too deeply into the cast for fear of spoiling Millennium. For example, Chris Ellis makes his second appearance as Jim, a member of the Millennial Group. I know how many appearances he has left, and it's not as many as I would have expected so something may be happening to his character in the not-too-distant future. Ron Halder appears as the killer. This is his only appearance in Millennium, but we did see him as Dr. Floyd Fazio in the Patient X episode of The X-Files and discussed his work in more detail then. James Morrison plays Jim Horn here. This is his only appearance in Millennium. We did discuss him when he showed up in The X-Files as Dr. Robert Weeder in Thief. He had previously played Colonel Tyrus Cassius T.C. McQueen in every episode of Space Above and Beyond. So I assume that having a son named T.C. is a direct homage to that series. I don't remember exactly when that series is set. It may even be conceptually the same character. I doubt that. I believe it's further in the future. Garvin Cross plays a patient here who was incorrectly identified as the killer, the first one that Jim Horne beats on. He's got 168 stunt credits to his name, most recently the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, or at least most recently at the time of this recording. This is his first of two appearances in Millennium. We discussed him in more detail the two times he appeared in The X-Files in Fearful Symmetry and Heron Volk. Anthony Harrison makes his first appearance here, it's his only appearance as Detective Jenkins, although he will appear in Millennium again. We discussed him in more detail in his three X Files appearances in Conduit, Sleepless, and The Field Where I Died. Lisa Voltaggio plays Janice. She is one of the intended victims. The IMDb says this is one of the credits she is best known for, along with her appearances as Hannah Scott in General Hospital, Carmen slash Elda in Highlander, and Liz Holly in a 1994 episode of The X-Files. This was close to the end of her IMDb filmography. So after this appearance in Millennium, she appears as Linda in The Nun story, and then has a two-year run in General Hospital, and has not accumulated any credits that the IMDb reports since 2001. She was married and started having children in 2002, so it may be related to that. She may be working on the stage. I don't know what she's doing now, but the IMDb stopped tracking her credits at that time. This is the acting debut of Maria Luisa Figuera as Cindy Horn. This is her only Millennium credit, although we did discuss her in a little more detail when she played Larry's wife in The Lion Game on The Lone Gunman. Cooper Olsen has a grand total of two IMDb credits. He plays the two-year-old T.C. Horn in this episode and would go on to play Little Boy in a 1998 movie, Voyage of Terror. This is the first of two Millennium appearances for Michelle Hart. Here she plays Marjorie Holden. She also plays Trace Agent in Kitsunagari, that episode of The X-Files. And she was Nance Fenton in 12 episodes of John Doe, which I always enjoyed and wish that had eventually gotten a home video release. It was just, you know, one season too early to be a standard DVD release. Her latest IMDb credit is for a TV movie called The Time Tunnel from 2006. Fulvio Césaire makes a small appearance as a security guard. It is his first but not his final appearance on Millennium. He also played an aide in Little Green Men and a priest in Revelations on The X-Files. Andrew Lawrenson makes his IMDb debut in this episode as the clown. He would then go on to play the uncredited nerdy student in X-Files Postmodern Prometheus. Ellie Warren plays Officer Sarah Stevens here as Allison Warren. This is her first but not her final millennium appearance. This also appears to be her only work for 10.13, although she did also work on Andromeda, Babylon 5, The Lost Tales, Human Target, Bates Motel, and a few other shows, including Fringe. Her most recent acting credit is from 2015, with two credits from that year from Bates Motel and A Gift-Wrapped Christmas. Kenji Shimizu plays the CST member, we previously discussed him in a little more detail when we covered him in N'Say from The X-Files. So that wraps up this episode. It shows a little bit about how the Millennium Group works and the level of autonomy that they are giving Frank Black, even though there are others that disagree with him. He still just says, nope, this is it, and they, they trust his instincts and his abilities. And it's also showing some of the tension that Frank is trying to cope with at home. It's a well-made episode. I understand why Thomas J. Wright was brought back so much, because it is well done in the end. If you add to that, you know, any sign that he is easy to work with on set or otherwise good from a production standpoint. And yeah, I can see him sticking around. The product is definitely good. In any event, that is all we have to say about Dead Letters.